if you really dig deep, which I get to do every day with the women that I work with, I eventually find out they would leave if they only trusted themselves that they could survive somewhere else, that they could get a better opportunity, that they had what it took to get something better. And so, yeah, I do think it's actually just deeply rooted lack of trust in ourselves and just self-doubt and fear. And so that's really what I do a lot of work with women is helping them identify that fear and then provide answers to it so that it feels less scary. Hey, this is Allison and welcome to the Inspire Budget Podcast where we talk all things budgeting, debt and saving money. Today we have Mandy Woodrow Santos on the podcast and she is an award-winning co-host of the Brown Ambition Podcast and founder of the Mandy Money Makers, a one-of-a-kind leadership and career coaching community for women of color. As a career money expert, Mandy is a regular contributor to Yahoo Finance Live and has been featured on The Dr. Phil Show, The New York Times, CNBC, CNN, Business Insider, Essence, and Teen Vogue. Today, we're going to be talking about the power of negotiating. Let's go ahead and dive in. Welcome, Mandy, to the Inspire Budget Podcast. Hey, Allison. Thank you so much for having me. It's a yes. pleasure. I'm excited because you have a really cool story of where you started to where you found yourself. Will you go ahead and share that mm. with the listeners and me? Oh, Lord. Yeah, it's been quite a journey. You mean like my professional to business owner journey? Oof. Yeah, I mean, because you really you really help a very specific group of people. And I want to yeah. hear about how you got to where you are, because I'm guessing you didn't like grow up and think as a little girl, like, oh, I want to be a, a negotiation expert and help women of color. <laughs> like, that wasn't your... I, mean, I was always a really like the kind of kid who was always arguing and had something to say. So I think oh, I've always been a good negotiator. I love I it. Kids are inherently good negotiators. They have all the leverage. You know what I mean? But anyway, I'll start at the end and then work my way back. But today okay. I am known as Mandy Money. I have a podcast called Brown Ambition. So for the last seven years, my co-host Tiffany and I have really focused on creating a safe space for women of color specifically mm -hmm. to learn about their finances and their careers and business and have sort of a safe space to have those conversations through us. And then on uh, tangentially at the same time, as I was building the podcast, I had a long career as a journalist and then a content director. Um, so I worked in fintech, I worked in media and throughout those, I don't know, 12 years that I was sort of building your traditional nine to five career, I uncovered a like a latent superpower, which is that I can negotiate like a beast and I love it. I love the the thrill of it. I love the anxiety. I love the results. You love the anxiety love of it? I love the I love the reward. Mm -hmm. It is stressful, but I guess you know, like adrenaline junkies. I've also mm -hmm. I'm also the kind of person who like will skydive and oh, okay, that's me too. Parasailing or paragliding, mm -hmm. like those types of fun things. I just like to push myself, you know. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's like now that I have a son, I can't just be flinging myself out of airplanes. <laughs> so, I mean, you could, but there could be really bad consequences. Yeah, I, I get my thrills at the negotiating table. So today I am a career and negotiation expert and coach, and I, I founded a group coaching program called or a community rather called the Mandy Moneymakers, which is mm -hmm. so special. And I'm so proud of it. It just launched at the beginning of 2022, and I've got nearly 100 women of color who have joined. And as of last week, one man, one, <laughs> one black <laughs> man who joined. And I'm like, yes, we love an ally. Mm -hmm. And it has been my form of protest. It's my mm -hmm. form of protest against a long career that was financially successful, but one in which I was commonly the only woman of color on the team. Certainly when I became like senior director onwards to VP mm -hmm. level, I was fewer and further between people who looked like me. And it's such a, it's been such a healing process because not only do I get to help women of color 
negotiate, look at their career holistically and really like turbocharge their earnings through their career and use their career like an engine to earn more. Mm -hmm. But I also get to be surrounded by women of color every day. Like, do you yes. know how few men I talk to on a daily basis? Oh my gosh. Is it not amazing? <laughs> Other than my kid and my husband? Like, it's yeah. dope. I, I love this. <laughs> That's, so, uh, that is actually fascinating because you came from a career where you were probably yeah, surrounded I actually by mostly had one. men. Yes, absolutely. I mean, in media, it's, journalism is mm -hmm. pretty dominated, especially at the top, by mm -hmm. men, by white men and white women, which isn't necessarily... Like you wouldn't think of that being the space where the, there tends to be like more progressive it's media. Yeah, but still. But still, it's it's mm -hmm. challenging, especially to be recognized as a young woman of color. And I was covering finance. So when you look down the funnel of like journalism and then you look at who's in business journalism, oof, yeah, I was a rarity. And mm -hmm. in those early days, I was constantly like super, never felt like I knew enough like I was in a really broy like startup atmosphere mm -hmm. and I only look at it I look back on it now and I realize oh of course I felt uncomfortable it was not an environment conducive to people like me mm -hmm. thriving and I was overlooked for opportunities and not considered to be one of the bright talents you know mm -hmm. but I, I I recognize that in myself and so that's why I pursued my own career changes and I never really stayed too long at a place where I felt like okay they're not getting the star they're not seeing what's mm -hmm in front of them. So I'm going to move on. And that's when I started to recognize the power of quitting mm -hmm. and the power of using those opportunities as you're quitting and negotiating a new offer to really like boost your earnings and really like get those huge boosts in salary that, yeah, enabled me to build wealth and mm -hmm. create this life that I have for myself. So I, I am all about empowering women to do just that. So you kind of stumbled into this superpower by mm -hmm. way of removing yourself from professional environments where you didn't feel valued. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I think I recognize, especially because I was covering journalism, business journalism, and there's so many studies that would come out, you know, quarterly, it felt like, and it would be another study about how black women don't earn that much. And mm -hmm. we're just big general studies about black households in America. And we we're always at the bottom. And especially like you would, I would write stories about like Cheryl Sandberg's book, Lean In came out, you know, when I was early in my personal finance career and these storylines about women earning less and then especially women of color earning even less than that. Mm -hmm. Plus I graduated during the great recession from college. So I knew intellectually, there's so many things working against me what can I actually control? I can't control the economy. I can't control gender bias and racism. I can't control the fact that I'm going to walk into a workplace and be undervalued and to have lower expectations set for myself. What I can control is that I can recognize that you never have more leverage and, and bargaining power than when you're quitting for a new opportunity mm -hmm. and that I have control over my ability to negotiate. Mm -hmm. So that was really my form of protest. It was my way of saying, I got to make up for some stuff. Like, yeah, I have these things working against me, but I'm going to use negotiating as a tool to overcome them. And mm -hmm. it really worked. Well, and it helps you build wealth and money gives you yeah. more power nice. <laughs> to be able to walk away from situations that don't serve you, from situations where there is racism, from situations where they don't value you. Because if mm. you didn't have wealth, if you didn't you know, if you weren't investing, if you didn't have that, there would be so much fear there. Do you see that with the women you work with, that there's fear there? Yeah, there's a lack of options, you know, and I think that there, first there's, there's financial 
there's there's all that stuff that you carry with you, your money mindset, like the baggage you have around money. And some of us are conditioned at a young age to be fearful of money, mm-hmm. to think money is evil. And to yeah. also be told that if we want it and if we are public and like forthcoming about our ambition and how we want money, that it's not a, an attractive quality. Mm-mm. You're selfish. Women, you know? That is selfish <laughs> and greedy. But with right. a man that is like, look at him just wanting to be successful. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and also like America, like we kind of get off on seeing black women struggle. It's kind of like the the stereotype that people, the archetype that we fall into that mm-hmm. we, in order to really earn something, we had to have this like sob story. We needed to like struggle mm-hmm. for it and to mm-hmm. fight tooth and nail for it. So yeah, I really, I, I really rebuke that. And I help the women that I speak to every day kind of unlearn those lessons themselves, like unlearn the fact that it's not polite or it's not mm-hmm. attractive to put yourself up for a promotion or to brag about your accomplishments so that you can like attract juicier job opportunities. That's a lot of that. And just basically it's really fun. It's it's super just healing to me, but also just so beautiful to see the light come on in a woman's eyes when she realizes I do have all this potential yes. and I can't wait for someone else to recognize it. I can be in charge of that and mm-hmm. I can show and shine. That's the best part of what I get to do. Do you find that either personally or in the women that you work with that this sense of loyalty, I, I think that our parents' generation, they stay at a job and and my mom's been working at the same career, same company, same office since I was a child, a young child. There's that sense of loyalty there. Did you yeah. ever struggle with that or do you see women struggle with it? I never consider myself loyal. <laughs> to, <laughs> hey, that's okay. To, to professions, to jobs, <laughs> to, for, <laughs> to, to humans people, and yes. relationships. To, yes, to yes. people, sure. <laughs> to the but company, actually, I <laughs> I credit my dad. My dad always had like an entrepreneurial spirit and a risk-taking quality. I mean, so bad to the point where it like ended my parents' marriage. So it didn't work out for him. But I I sort of inherited, I think, this this risk-taking, like this this ability to kind of like tolerate those risks mm-hmm. and to and to want to push the envelope. So and also early in my career, so I think it was my dad's influence and also early in my career, my very first big girl job in New York City, I got laid off three months after I joined. Wow. Three months into a new job in magazines in New York. Mm-hmm. I had a mattress and I had like a new iPhone that I had bought for myself. And then I was laid off and that's all I had. And I was fighting like the Department of Labor to get unemployment. Mm-hmm. And I had so few options. I had to take the first job that would have me. And it ended up being uh, basically a glorified internship and making like $35,000, which was 10K less than I had made before I was laid wow. off. But that message of how disposable I was and being so quickly disposed of after doing everything right, that was such mm-hmm. a great learning moment for me because it it demystified that whole sense of loyalty even further. I was like, well, screw that. Mm-hmm. I'm disposable, so I'm going to treat them the same way. And yeah, I didn't have that issue. But of course, the women I talked to, I mean, I, I do think there is a sense of loyalty, but I think deeper down, it's a sense of fear and a lack of trust mm-hmm. in ourselves. Wow. Hold on. Hold on. It's not actually, it it masks itself as this sense of loyalty is what you're saying. So you're feeling loyal, but then underneath that, it's really fear of change Mm -hmm. and failure, right? Wow. That's what I find. I think that we tell ourselves we're being loyal because it sounds noble, right? Mm -hmm. And it definitely serves the storyline of women sacrificing 
sacrificing, right? Especially women of color, we must sacrifice for everyone else and we're being loyal and we're going to stick it out. But if you really dig deep, which I get to do every day with the women that I work with, I eventually find out they would leave if they only trusted themselves that they could survive somewhere else, that Mm -hmm. they could get a better opportunity, that they had what it took to get something better. And so, yeah, I do think it's actually just deeply rooted lack of trust in ourselves and just self-doubt and fear. And so that's really what I do a lot of work with women is helping them identify that fear and then provide answers to it so that it feels less scary. Okay. So what, what's the most common fear that you find? Oh goodness. Well, the biggest, (laughs) the biggest fear is that I'm not going to find, like, I'm not good enough for the opportunities Mm -hmm. that will pay me more. And Mm -hmm. so that's where I fight fear with facts. We have to like, let's look at your job experience, look at your skills. So many women out there, sometimes you don't know. It's kind of like, for example, we are fighting our our town's property taxes right now because they've said our house is worth a lot oh, of money. Oh, yes. And they're all coming for our taxes and it's like crazy, right? Right. And we're about to get a new appraisal to to hopefully um, argue our case. If we don't appraise our home, we don't mm. really know what it's worth. You know what I yeah. mean? And it's I feel true. like getting that outsider's perspective is what so many of us, especially when we've been loyal to a, mm. to a job and haven't left, when you're not interviewing and when other companies aren't pursuing you and you're not getting other job offers, how do you know sort of what your worth is? Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's about having a, providing sort of an outside view into their career because I can give them a quick appraisal of what they're worth and what their oh. value is. And it blows their minds because you just don't hear that, you know, mm-hmm. every day. And so I really spend time encouraging women to find their own ways of appraising their skill set. And not, I don't mean appraising yourself in your own mind, because that's where you're like, I'm not worth very much. I don't have that much experience. Let someone else tell you that, Mm -hmm. you know, but actually go out there, do the job interviews, put yourself in a position where other colleagues and peers can give you feedback, get it, get interest from other employers, because then Mm -hmm. you'll see, oh, damn, I was worth 50K when I took this job 10 years ago. Now I'm worth 150. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you realize, and I don't have to actually work or do something different. I'm worth it now, but you won't know that unless you're getting that outside perspective on your value. Mm-hmm. No, that really helps. I, I know that like for me, sometimes when we're just, we're so emotionally tied to something that we can't, what is that saying? Like we can't see the forest through the trees. We yeah. can't, we can't see what we are good at because we're so close to it. Yep, and so exactly. it's, it's really good. Like you said, to have someone else that can just like black and white facts, just remove all the emotions, remove all of your feelings behind it. And let's look at the facts of where you stand. I think that's great. Today's episode is brought to you by my free budget class. This budget class is all about how to write a budget for your best life without giving up your weekly latte runs. In this class, I'm gonna be covering the three massive mistakes that everybody makes with their budget and why they are costing you money. And I'm sharing with you these mistakes so that way you can stop making them. I'll also be sharing with you the secret to finding more money in your budget each month so that way you can do whatever you want with it. And I'll be sharing my four-step framework to budget for your best life without giving up what you love. This class is hands down incredible and it has so much value. You can sign up for it at inspirebudget.com slash free class or just click the link in my show notes. I'll see you there. 
let's say someone's listening and they're like, Mandy, help a girl out. Yeah. I've been in this job and I'm making the same amount that I've been making for however long. I haven't had any raises that keep up with the crazy inflation rates. Mm -hmm. I'm at the point now where I want to look for something more, something that will pay me more. And, you know, I'm willing to fight through the feelings of this makes me feel selfish or guilty or whatever that comes to people's minds. What do you suggest they do? Like, what are the steps that someone takes, especially if they've been Mm -hmm. at a job for a long time and the idea of interviewing and applying can feel so foreign? I love that you brought that up because so often part of that fear is also the interview process and Mm -hmm. that's stressful. And then negotiating, like people know intellectually (laughs) that they should negotiate and it freaks them out. And they're like, oh my God, I don't know if I'll even get there. (laughs) But I'm like, baby girl, let's just like back it up. Can we get an interview first? Like, yeah, (laughs) like that's almost thinking too far ahead. You kind of have to go in steps and break down your goal. If your goal is to get a new job. Okay. What's the one thing you can do today to put yourself further in that direction? And I'm telling you, it's not practicing your negotiation because you're not there yet. (laughs) Like bringing it all the way back. Most commonly, it's like dusting off your LinkedIn Mm -hmm. and dusting off. And I mean, first and foremost, your LinkedIn. People like to go to their resumes first, but LinkedIn is what it's where 90% of recruiters and hiring managers are looking for candidates. I was one of those recruiters or hiring managers. You know, I had a big team when I was in fintech and I would source my own talent and I would do Mm -hmm. it through LinkedIn. So I know personally, and also just there's so many studies that show this is where you want to show up. So Mm -hmm. if you haven't been judging up your LinkedIn, I would say start there because ultimately you want to be findable. You Mm -hmm. can't be the best kept secret. You can't be the one who's like, I know how to do this. I'm the best graphic designer ever. No one's giving me a shot. How are they going to know about you if you're not actually sharing your work Mm -hmm. and highlighting it and keeping your LinkedIn up to date and things like that? So you have to be as findable as possible. So Mm -hmm. that's part of the whole professional branding work that I do. We look at your LinkedIn. We find out, do you have the right keywords for the job that you want? I love this. Yeah. So once you're updating your LinkedIn, then you've got to go look at the jobs that you want for Mm -hmm. today in today's world. And especially if you've been somewhere for a long time, like job titles go in and out of favor and trends, you know, come and go. Mm -hmm. So you may want to see, okay, what are the skills and how are they wording certain skills and requirements for jobs? And how can I work that into my profile so that when someone's searching for this particular skill set, again, they can find me. Mm -hmm. So it's a bit of like just tweaking words here and there to be sure that you're matching Mm -hmm. the job that you want. It's almost like working backwards. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, you want to know what they're looking for. And the best way to Mm -hmm. do that is to study job listings before you even apply to jobs, study them and then mimic that language in your profile so that um, they're going to be more likely to find you. It's really all about being findable Wow. Um, and networking. I know it's such a, I don't know, loaded term and Hey, I'm a card. I'm a card carrying member of the introvert club. I know there's so (laughs) many. I am not. You're not. Okay. No, I'm like, yeah, because I could be like, I could go with you somewhere and then you could introduce me and then I'll do all the talking and you can like sit back. That's how me and my friend Chris do things is he's very much an introvert and he's like, just walk with me, Allison. And then you can talk with people. And I'm like, okay, great. (laughs) And this popcorn finance. Yes. Oh yes. Yeah. He's like one of my best friends. And so we do this thing where we go together and we'll talk to people and he'll just kind of let me talk and I get all happy. And then he'll kind of come in and say a couple of things. And then he's like, done. (laughs) It it works. It's a good pair. (laughs) It's a good pair. Yeah. I mean, I am an extroverted introvert, so I can put it on like one-to-one, but yeah, I get really worn out after. So I will Mm -hmm. be taking a cat nap after this. That's fine. (laughs) I'm giving you all my sparkle in the moment. Networking freaks people out. 
it's social media. People like to put LinkedIn in the social media bucket as an excuse mm-hmm. not to use it. Just stop Ooh. it. Just stop. It's not Instagram. You don't have to it's use not. Instagram and Facebook. They can be toxic and all of that, but mm-hmm. you're literally leaving potential huge money on the table if you're not on LinkedIn. It's just a mm-hmm. fact. So okay. I don't have patience for people who are not on LinkedIn, LinkedIn. But anyway, networking. Yes. So you want to like sometimes I think that we are waiting for someone to reach out to us. And that definitely will happen once you've got your LinkedIn updated and you're putting yourself out there and you really become known for your niche. Like mm-hmm. people will reach out to you. But when you're starting out, you will need to be the one reaching out to reconnect with former colleagues, to reconnect with people in your field. We talked about the conference you and I went to together, not together, but at the same time um, <laughs> last month. Hand in hand. <laughs> I, didn't even, I didn't even know you a month ago, but now, hey, look at me now. But FinCon, right? That was a financial mm-hmm. bloggers conference. Those are our people. And mm-hmm. I had not been to a conference in years, but oh, it was so powerful to just be next to the people who are doing the same thing that I'm doing and to remind people who I am. And like, that was really powerful. And ever since then, like the business opportunities that I've gotten, and just like the relationships that I mm-hmm. built from that experience, I know that they will pay dividends in the future. Mm. So whether it's a conference or it's a speaking engagement or it's, you know, showing up at a panel or just cold DMing someone just to reconnect with them, I Mm -hmm. I highly encourage you to make those connections to the human beings in your network, just to reform them and to, and to thaw them out. And this is another thing that can become big, so big and scary. You're like, Oh God, I got to go to a conference. Okay. But let's bring it back. Maybe you can identify three people on your LinkedIn network, who you can reach out to Mm -hmm. this week. Yeah. Baby steps, baby steps. I love that. Incrementally better and better. It's really easy to be overwhelmed by thinking of all the things that you need to do and forget that you don't have to do it all in one sitting. Yeah. And so I I love that. It's like just baby steps. Just first start with your LinkedIn, polish it up. Okay. Next use that to connect with three people And then maybe several months down the line, we find a conference or we continue those networking. It doesn't have to be this 90 miles an hour right away thing. Exactly. Okay. So there's so many women who are like, I told myself I would apply for 60 jobs this week. And they're just like throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks. And I'm just like, no, you're just gonna, and I'm like, burn out. Yeah. Burn out and stress out and disappointment. Because mm-hmm. it's going to feel like I got 60 rejections, but chances are not all those jobs were the right fit for you. So that's true. It's quality over quantity for me. Wow. I love that. Okay. So we have the LinkedIn, we're networking. Mm-hmm. What about the going through the interview process? And then what your specialty is, is the negotiating. negotiating. Because I, okay, so backstory, I'm a teacher. You can't negotiate a teacher salary, at least in a public school teacher salary in the state of Texas. They have salary mm-hmm. schedules or scales that they set to. And if you want to earn earn more money, I mean, like what I did is I actually went to a different school district that paid their teachers more. And that's yeah. the way you do it. Or you just stick there forever and you get the... step every year and that's it. So going in and the idea of negotiating a salary is terrifying for me. I mean, I even have an agent that does this for me with any brand (laughs) partnerships. So what tips do you have for that process that can be so foreign to people? Right. I mean, my husband works for the federal government, so it's similar to what teachers and like other state employees deal (laughs) Mm -hmm. with. You do feel like there is limitations, but just like you said, there sometimes are ways. Can you go to a different district? Mm -hmm. Can you go to a different federal agency or a different state agency? Again, that's where it comes down to like 
it's not it's not simple to just like quit a job and move to a different district. It's a whole new mm -hmm. school system. It's a new agency you have to learn. It's stressful, you know, it can be a lot. And so I think that's why some people tend to, let, again, let that fear and doubt kind of keep them in place. Mm -hmm. But you have to sort of think about, okay, what's the long-term goal here? And what's what am I actually going to accomplish beyond getting a new job? What mm -hmm. can you do with those extra funds? Like make it real for yourself. I love that. What, what will you do? How much will you be able to save for retirement? How much more could you use to pay for my kid's daycare bill is insane. Like just <laughs> how much more could you take those trips you want or paid on the debt that you wanted? So make it real for yourself in that way. But I, I know tons of teachers who are, who are unfortunately, because I think teachers are so vital, but mm -hmm. we don't, we don't value them the way that we should. So they are looking to pivot out and use oh their transferable gosh. skills you know, elsewhere. So I work yep. with teachers who are doing that. But I, in, in terms of like negotiating when you don't have much experience, I think a lot of the hard work happens prior to actually the negotiation. And so if you Ooh. tell yourself that, you can start to feel a little bit more confident. And so what I mean by that is when you are associated with excellence in your field, you're going to attract interest for you to work for other companies okay. or, you know, businesses. So when they know you as the best teacher in the district, or you're, you've been just awarded teacher of the year in Texas, something like that. <laughs> and I mean, you're associated. I would with never get that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Maybe teach I'm anymore. The... I, I was you. like, how can I, how can I be like create boundaries in my life? <laughs> But you are an excellent public speaker. And I mean, like your session at FinCon just was so great. And anyone who sat in that room associates you with excellence in mm -hmm. storytelling and in inspiring people with their finances. So if I'm a big brand mm -hmm. and I'm in that space and I'm hearing Allison speak, I'm like, oh, I have to work with her. So that's mm -hmm. what I mean. And believe me, your work for your negotiation in particular is already done by the brand that you've built, by the work um, that you're doing every day, by us, by being excellent at what you do mm -hmm. and like really understanding your own value and being confident about what you bring to the table is like half the battle. Mm -hmm. Because by the time you get to that opportunity to negotiate, they should be really excited and feel honored to even have you in the room. Yes. And then you should recognize that they want to work with me because I'm great at this. So mm -hmm. This is not even like a confrontation. It's not like I'm going to get something out of that. It's we really want to work with each other. So let's just get mm -hmm. to a number that feels right for both of us, mm -hmm. you know? So yes. a lot of the work happens, it happens before the negotiation. It's, mm -hmm. are you excellent at what you do? Are you out there with your brand and your work? Are you getting nominated for industry awards? Are mm -hmm. you getting tapped to speak on panels at industry conferences? Do your peers and colleagues have great experiences with you? So they're going to be recommending you for jobs if they hear about them. You know, like you, you should have a good sense of how your professional brand is and how you can make that better. So that's yeah. going to make you stronger at the negotiating table. But then, of course, you get there. So one of the most common questions I get is, do I give a number? You know, oh, do you first. slide it across the table? Do you write no. it on a small piece of paper? And like what table? Everyone's remote. Now. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's no such thing as a negotiating table anymore. You got a carrier pigeon to bring a, yeah. a little piece of paper. Just like, can you tell them that I want more? <laughs> so, you know, unless you're lucky enough to live in a state, there's like 20 states now where maybe not 20, I forget, but there are some states states where they actually have salary transparency laws. New York mm. is one of them, California. Mm -hmm. So you have to put the salary range in the job description. That's Sometimes nice. it's not as straightforward. And yeah. even if it is, they'll still ask you, what's your target salary range? Mm -hmm. Your key here is to deflect. And I'm speaking specifically to like women and women of color, especially because we are underpaid, like their mm -hmm. statistics show. So even if you are close to what you're making now, I would just go ahead and assume that you're being underpaid. And so I wouldn't oh. want to give a number because you don't want to lowball yourself. So mm -hmm. 
this is why I came up with like my scripts guide because I'm like, people need the exact words. So Mm -hmm. what I would say is, you know, I don't really feel comfortable discussing salary at this point, but I'd love to learn more about the role or a budget if you guys have one in mind. Okay. And then just let them answer you with their salary range. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing. And then you do want to understand what the range is from their perspective because you don't want to like waste your time if it's way below, Mm -hmm. you know, and it sucks when you go through a whole interview process and that rigmarole only to get a job offer that's like, womp, womp. Yeah. And it's so far (laughs) away from where you need to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a huge, it's like a waste of everyone's time. Right. So ideally you want them to give you a salary range. so You know, you're in the right ballpark Mm -hmm. and then you want to kill the interview. And by kill, I mean, understand like research who you're talking to so that Mm -hmm. you can you can build rapport. The human element, I think, is important. Yeah, It's great to demonstrate your skill set and be and obviously bring all that to the table. But at the end of the day, it's it's like a, almost like dating in a way. They kind of want to have to hang. They want they you want them to want to hang out with you again. Mm-hmm. And so you want to have that human element and, and sort of build rapport. So if you can find out anything you may have in common, whether it's you went to the school in the same state or something, you know, bring those, those personality traits, those personality points in Mm -hmm. also research their interview style, especially at big companies. They may have, there's probably someone who's written on Reddit or some other like Glassdoor site. They can tell you like, oh, they tend to ask these types of like situational interview Mm -hmm. questions. There's a a lot written about the star method, which is like, tell me a situation the task at hand, your action and the result of that task. It's very common mm-hmm. these days. So practice how you'll phrase your answers mm-hmm. in a way that demonstrates those four elements of the star response. Right. Um, and then obviously you want to blow them away. So if it, if you really feel like you're in a competitive space, maybe you want to go above and beyond and provide them like a 90 day game plan, you know, proposal mm-hmm. for what you're going to do. You want to get them so excited, so blown away that by the time the offer letter hits you and you negotiate, it's like, we got to have Mandy. Yeah. Got to have Allison. So we'll pay her what she wants. Yeah. And as mm-hmm. a hiring manager, that was me. I'd be like, listen, HR, I want this person. Give them whatever they want. Like, let's go. You mm-hmm. know, you just don't even hiring managers. We don't want to deal with all that back and forth. We just want the best candidate mm-hmm. like in the seat right away. I um, love so that. Don't forget that like at that point in the, in the, after all the interview process, when you're finally negotiating, they've put in a lot of time a lot of energy, a lot of money to recruit and interview you. They don't want to start from scratch. I want to highlight something that you said that I think is so important. You said earlier in this interview that you're not loyal to companies. And Mm -hmm. I think that someone could take that and say, oh, then you're not a hard worker. But what you just highlighted (laughs) was you're not loyal to companies, but you're the best at your job. That when you want to the power of negotiation is being so amazing and so highly wanted at your job that actually has nothing to do with being loyal to your company. Yeah. And so I think that some people might see that as they tie together, but it's not like just because you are willing to find a better job that's going to pay you more doesn't mean that you're not amazing at what you do. Yeah. I mean, I want to be clear and throughout my career, mm-hmm. I've only applied to Throughout my professional career, I only had to apply to a job once. Wow. The other six times they came to me. And nice. it was because I was so focused on doing a good mm-hmm. job where I was. Mm-hmm. But I was smart enough to know 
if I put my head down and do excellent work here and make sure that I'm sharing it and it's going to get seen, I will be poached. Like I will be, or I will get interest from other employers. So, and you know, employers understand that their best talent will get noticed by competitors. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's just, it's just what happens, you know? So I was extremely hardworking. I continue to be, I love it, but I also recognize that it's just going to make my value all the greater. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. And you have a free resource, don't you? I do. Well, I have a couple. Okay. Yeah. Tell us (laughs) about them. And we'll link them in the show notes as well. Oh, thanks. So yeah, if you want, if you want like a free guide, just to think about how can you quit? And what I like to say is quit your way rich, which is strategically quit so that you are positioning yourself for a juicier job offers and Mm -hmm. higher pay. You can download my free just quit toolkit, which you can get. I'm sure you guys will post a link, but you can also go to justquittoolkit.com because I buy all the domains now Nice, and you can download that. It's a great entry point and check out. I have lots of free advice and guidance on my Instagram page too. So if you follow Mm me on IG or TikTok, I'm at Mandy money and you probably know better than anyone. There's a million scammers out there now. Oh yeah. I don't talk about crypto or NFTs or any of that. I talk about salary negotiation. There you go. <laughs> well, we will link to your legit Instagram down below. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay. And then where can listeners learn more about you and hear, hear more from Mandy? Absolutely. I think the best place is to go to mandymoney.com and it's Mandy with an I. Okay. So don't mess it up. Mandy with an I, <laughs> mandymoney.com. And you can sign up for my email list. I send out a Sunday email, a very special email every Sunday mm-hmm. where I sort of tell a story and offer some career guidance in the form of strategies and tips that you guys can use in your career. So hopefully I'll see you in the email list. Yeah. I'll also link to that below. At the end of all of my interviews, I like to ask our guests just three questions to get to know you a little bit better. Don't think too hard about them. It's fun. (laughs) The first question (laughs) is, what is one thing you're looking forward to, whether it's in life, business, whatever it is? Uh, More solo mommy trips. And by mommy, Uh, I just mean more by myself trips. mm -hmm. Just getting to, I was always a big solo traveler before I got married, before I had my Mm -hmm. son. And I think recognizing that I, that woman still lives inside me and she just needs to explore. So I'm looking forward to booking a little solo adventure for myself in 2023. Oh my gosh. Where would you go? Like just off the top of your head, where would Belize? you say? Oh, wow. We're booking Belize a is top of my head. We're booking a good solo <laughs> trip. Yeah. I just want some beautiful, it. tranquil massages mm-hmm. on the beach. Oh my gosh. Know. I love it. Yes. Do it. No and then post me. about it on Instagram so we can or all don't. live or don't. That's true. <laughs> I was saying for my own selfish reasons. So that way I can yeah. be like, okay, this is my next thing too. Be in, you need to inspire people to do more of that too. You know? <laughs> yes, absolutely. For sure. The second question is what's one money mistake you've made that you would tell everybody to avoid? Oh boy. Letting lifestyle inflation wreck your financial goals. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think in New York city, I don't know if you have this, you're still in Texas, right? Yeah. But as you earn more in New York city, it's very common to like go for the better apartment. So mm-hmm. maybe your next apartment has an elevator. Maybe the next one has a dishwasher. Maybe <gasps> the next one has a laundry in unit, you know? Oh my so gosh. <laughs> every time I earned more, I was like increasing my stand, my, my lifestyle. So it didn't mm-hmm. actually feel like I was earning more. And it finally clicked for me about six years after I moved here. And the the job when I negotiated, I went from earning 90K to over 140K wow. in this big job move. 
And at that time it clicked for me. I was like, I told my then boyfriend, let's move in with your parents because they also live in the city and like a two bedroom teeny apartment. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, I was like, let's cut our living expenses to zero and bank all of this extra money. Wow. Um, so I was, I was at my peak earning at the time. And I had decided to move in with my husband's parents, my boyfriend's mm -hmm. parents at the time. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it wasn't the best mental health decision, but <laughs> I definitely reset the clock and mm -hmm. began to think more intentionally about, I need to make sure that I actually feel my extra earnings. So invest mm -hmm. them and save them and not just let it disappear into better apartment, more food, more nights mm -hmm. out, things like that. That's so important. And sometimes we need that like detox, right? We need mm -hmm. that very big change to almost see the impact that you can have. And it sounds like yeah. that's exactly what you did. Okay. And the third question is actually not a question at all. Just finish this sentence. My favorite thing I've ever spent money on is daycare. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. I love it. That's a good one. Most people say travel. So I'm always excited when someone doesn't say travel. Daycare. Oh, yeah. I, daycare. daycare. It's worth every freaking penny. How much she do you spend on daycare? $2,235, Alice. And I live in New York freaking city and it is so expensive. Oh my gosh. I live in the gosh. suburbs now. I know. 2,235. Yep. That's a it. lot of freaking money. It and started is this at like 18 and it's a, gone up. Is this like a one-on-one -on -one daycare with like <laughs> someone that has a PhD and child development and I cooks know. all of your meals for you? They do cook the food. I will say okay. that. I don't have, okay. and you know what? My biggest thing as a mom is I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to make meals. Like mm -hmm. I dread the weekends because I'm just like, I got to feed you all day. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to eat? Anyway. So I love that they cook the meals, but um, it's a great daycare. It's very small and they mm -hmm. spend, they have, they pay their workers really well. That's good. And, but the reason I'm so, I mean, it, it's great for him and his development. That's all mm -hmm. wonderful. But more importantly for me is it gives me the time freedom that I need from nine to five mm -hmm. to run my business and to take naps mm -hmm. and yes. to go to TJ Maxx and browse, browse the aisles. And I get to spend so much time with myself that when he's home at five, I can just pour into him and mm -hmm. I'm ready, you know, I so love it. take care. Yeah, that's a good one. Oh gosh. Well, thank you, Mandy, so much for joining us on the podcast today. I'll link to all of your resources, your legit Instagram account down <laughs> below. You. And I hope that my listeners, you know, if you're listening right now, and I hope you're inspired to just think about your income and your possibilities a little bit differently. Thanks so much, Allison, for sharing your platform and for your incredible work. I hope you've enjoyed today's interview with Mandy. I've linked to all of the resources, her website and her social media handles down below in the show notes. So be sure to check them out. If you're enjoying the Inspire Budget podcast, do me a favor and leave a rating or review on Apple or Spotify. We'll be back with another episode next week. See you then.